Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are now listening to Vigilantes Radio, presented by the only one media group. This is the people's choice for quality interviews, celebrities, and special guests. Hosted by Demetrius Dinny Reynolds. Call in to join the mix at 701-801-9813. For the complete archive of episodes, visit OnlyOneMediaGroup.com and be sure to like us on Facebook at Vigilantes Radio. We welcome all. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Demetrius Houdini Black Reynolds. Enjoy the show. At dollarseed.com, all of our seeds are only a dollar a pack. And we have online resources that teach you all about the rewarding hobby of growing your own plants, flowers, herbs, and vegetables. Imagine the joy you'll feel when your children actually help you harvest your first garden crop, or the pride of knowing you'll never need a florist again. Visit dollarseed.com and grow a little magic of your own for just a dollar. dollarseed.com, what could be healthier? Hello, hello, hello. What is going on, guys? Welcome to another incredible episode of Vigilantes Radio Live right here on iHeart Radio. And I'm your host, Dini. It's time to go over to our phone lines. So you know what that means. You should stick around for that. And as a matter of fact, uh, go ahead and text your buddies, family members, or even share it on social media right now and let them know that we are about to dive deep into another interview. Before we bring our guest on, I do want to say, you know, sometimes you just have to have some uh, great experience. Like, what are you talking about, Denny? Okay. Experience is something that can never be taken away from you, though the material things you possess will rust, fade, you know, peel, crack, break, and even become obsolete. The experiences you live through will stay with you always. Every day is filled with so many opportunities to experience the richness of life, yet, you know, it's all too easy to get, you know, into comfortable habits and fail to take advantage of those opportunities. The greatest treasures you'll ever have are the moments you spend living life fully, moments spent with those you love and care about, you know, um, moments live passionately you know in pursuit of the vision a dream or even accomplishment and as you go through this day keep in mind what an incredible irreplaceable great experience 
life is wherever you go whatever your circumstance fill those moments with meaning and richness today is a special day a day to be alive live it with joy with wonder and intensity your great experience is happening right now take that for me coach dini that is my word and word is have you fun. struggled budgeting your finances don't worry you're not alone humbledbudget.com that's h-u-m-b-l-e-d-b-u-d-g-e-t.com is the help and resource you've been searching for humbledbudget.com is a personal finance and educational website with a great variety of topics when it comes to budgeting taxes investing and the popular topic of fire financial independence retire early humbledbudget.com has a goal and that's to help you reach your financial dreams no matter what your goals are when it comes to finances it doesn't matter where you start where you come from or where you are right now humbledbudget.com can help what are you waiting for take that first step to the financial life you've dreamed of and go to humbledbudget.com that's h-u-m-b-l-e-d-b-u-d-g-e-t humbledbudget.com Hey, 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 what is up, guys? Again, welcome to the show. You are listening to VRL. That's the Vigilantes Radio Live right here on iHeart Radio, and I'm your host, Dini. Our interviews are designed to go beyond music, news, books, art, acting, films, technology, education, entrepreneurship, entertainment, and sometimes even past that thing that we call the ego. Our interviews are designed to go behind the scenes and into the minds of these awesome human beings, you know, the ones who are out there giving it their all for me, for you, and for the world. All right, tonight's special guest is a war-winning author. She's been on here before, so she is a two-times vigilantes. Oh, yeah, she fits right into the club of us misfits of wonder and mystery. With that, let's go ahead and welcome Terry M. Brown to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you here and to talk with you. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm exci- I'm I'm excited. I have several friends who uh, are asking me if I'm going to sing tonight, Ooh, and and great. because I say, well, say I sang the last time for you, and it it like people really had fun with that because I'm not a singer, and I hate to disappoint them, but I can't sing today. I don't know if you can tell that I have, I I think it's allergies, and then I had COVID five weeks ago, and I never got rid of that cough. And so I'm just like a big congested mess. So I won't be singing today. I'm going to tell a story instead, but just thought I'd put it out there because, you know, last time I sang meatloaf for you. Ah, you did. And yeah, we did I wonder if your friend's like, what? She can sing and didn't tell us? Well, I don't know that they thought she can sing. I think they did think <laughs> what she was going to sing on air and didn't tell us. I think that might have been more. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> All right. So we are here tonight to chat about the novel An Enemy Like Me, although the subject mm-hmm. of World War II may seem daunting at first, but I believe you're so skilled that you know you use the language and purpose to achieve a beautiful balance between the complexity and simplicity so that's what we're here to talk about um wonderful yeah yeah i guess let's talk about the significance of your grandfather telling you that he always wondered if the person on the other end of his gun was his cousin man that is profound and you know it's 
Yeah, and how it helped inspire the novel, An uh, Enemy Like Me. Right. So my grandfather, um, my family is German-American. But we had lived in the United States for, oh, probably close to 200 years at the point that my grandfather went to fight in World War II. And he ended up in Germany as a German-American. And rarely did he ever talk about the war. When I was growing up, I mean, I knew he had fought in the war. Uh, It was a source of pride for him that he fought for his country. But in terms of telling us much about it, we we got very few stories. And those stories that we did hear were those when the war was over and he was still living in Germany for, for several more months until they could get all the soldiers back home. And I heard a lot of stories at that part, but that wasn't the war part. I was probably, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old, and he must have been in a, a, just a mood of some kind that he felt like talking, and he looked at me deep in the eyes, and that's when he said, I always wondered if the person on the other side of my gun was a cousin. And I thought, oh my gosh. I mean, it isn't like he'd ever been to Germany before that, or that he even had any relatives left in Germany that he was aware of, that he kept up with. And yet that was something that struck him. And I've carried that with me, you know, for over 40 years, wondering about that concept. And so that's where An Enemy Like Me came about. And I wrote the book with a first-generation German-American who ends up fighting in the war. And he thinks he's going to fight the Japanese. And for him, that's an easy an easy enemy, right? Because they look different than him and they sound different from him. Everything they eat is different. Um, you know, they, they bombed Pearl Harbor. It was just an enemy that he felt very confident he could get behind. And then he found himself in Germany fighting someone who was more like him than different from him. And that's kind of what we do is we explore that. This book kind of explores that idea of like, what makes an enemy? And, and how do you how do you fight against people who are more like you than different from you? Yeah, wow. Um, so this is a this um, novel is a fiction or nonfiction? So it is fiction. Um, however, uh, if you were to talk to my daughter, she would tell you that while she was reading it, several times she felt like she was kind of pulled out of the story because she'd think, wait a minute. I think that's a family story, and there were so so there are some family stories that my grandfather told me that that were put into the book. However, generally it is uh, fiction, and even the family stories, I, I took a lot of liberties with those to make them so that they would get, you know go well in the book. So, absolutely. So I have a personal question. This is just for me. Yeah. And as of lately, I've just been thinking about the past. You know, trying to pull and tie strings wherever they may tie and there's a huge disconnect in my own family's history like it just got lost in the wind somewhere um how do you think families can keep up with their their history and their heritage oh well first of all i mean there's a lot of storytelling i think that happens um i don't know I don't know how a lot of families work, but in our families, whenever there was Christmas and Thanksgiving and, um, you know, big birthdays or anniversary celebrations, there would be a lot of food, and then there would, the stories would come out, the do you remembers, and 
um, there was the time when, and people would talk. And I think because part of me has always wanted to be a writer, I've always been a really good listener when people are telling those kinds of stories. So, you know, if stories in your family have been lost, maybe they're lost for good, but stories now don't have to be. Mm. So, you know, talk about them, write them. You know, you may not be able to capture every story from the past, but you can capture all the stories that happen from now, now on forward so that the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that doesn't have that same feeling. And then the other thing I say is, is I bet that there are stories out there, you just have to find who has them. So, you know, talk to some older relatives, even if they're a little more distant, you know, aunts and uncles or great aunts and uncles or cousins, and, and maybe even neighbors or people that worked with, with relatives of yours or whatever, and just ask them, what do you know about my family? And then another thing you can do is like, if there's any photos anywhere, and like pull those photos together and, and you know do what you can to figure out the stories behind those photos absolutely thank you That's, those are good tips yeah. I'll, I'll keep those all right yeah. Um, yeah so I'm interested in the character uh, Jacob Mueller um, but I'm uh-huh. more interested in his mental health during this time at war um, you know you could be you could be winning the physical battle on the battlefield, but losing an emotional one because you're away from your family and, you know, which principle do you stand on? Exactly. And he had, so this is, you know, this is something that was really big for him. He had a lot of things that he was battling all at the same time. So not only was he a soldier in a war, which is hard enough, but he had a wife and a child at home. So, you know, um, missing his family, wishing that he was with them. However, he goes to war because he wants to prove that he and his family are American enough. Because there was a lot of anti-German sentiment during this period of time where they didn't like people who were German. Jacob Mueller changed his name to Jacob Miller to sound less German. Um, the town he grew up in was New Berlin, and New Berlin changed its name to North Canton in order to sound less German and be less German. And so he goes and he fights this war to kind of prove who he is. You know, like, I'm an American. I am American, and, and I want you to understand that I'm American. And he did it for his family, and then to do that for his family means that he has to leave his family. The, the, that horrible thing of you know, who do you love and how do you prove it? You know, and here he loves his country and he loves his family and it kind of, this war sets the two at odds. And then top that all off with he finds himself in Germany with people who speak the language that he heard spoken in his own home growing up. And they eat the foods that he ate in his own home growing up. And they have the same customs. And he recognizes that this enemy is is like him you know one generation is all that separated him from being on the other side of this war so yeah i suspect his mental health was in pretty pretty bad shape at the time don't you think yeah wow he was fighting an entirely different war there yes a, a war yes, to belong. exactly exactly yeah. and i think that's something that 
you'll find a lot of first and second generation Americans even today fight, which is having a love for their heritage, you know, who they are and where they came from, and also having a love for the country that they live in. And how do you prove both? And, and do people make you prove? And sometimes they do. Sometimes they, they, you know, say, are you willing to sacrifice everything you were in order to be who you are now? And, and that's hard. That's hard to, to take, you know, your heritage and throw it away. Yeah, I think that's the key word, sacrifice. <laughs> and, yeah. And what that word truly means. Um, you, you could say that. That's his way of showing the love and devotion to his family by fighting a war for them to belong and the future generations to belong. Exactly. And you can imagine that for him, you know, he's doing it. He's doing it for his family. He doesn't probably recognize at the time that he's doing it for future generations. I mean, he's doing it for for his his wife and his son right then. And then imagine his wife and his son now. They're at home. They understand, at least the wife understands finally why he's fighting. But does the four-year-old ever get it? And then and then think about what does it do to the four-year-old for the rest of that child's life? His dad was gone during, you know, two key years of his life. And when his dad comes home, he's a different man. You know, you don't go to war and see things in war and come home and be the same person you were when you left. And so, you know, the idea that war changes people, and that's a generational change. It isn't something that only happens during the years of war. It continues to happen. And, you know, that's where PTSD comes in, which really wasn't talked a lot about uh, during, in the World War II era. But, you know, they come home, they have, they have dreams, and they're scared, and, and all of the things. And that makes them a different parent, which means that their children grow up and become someone different than they would have been had their parents been you know, not been affected by that war. Yeah. Which means that, that the generation after that will be affected and the generation after that will be affected. You know, and so it isn't it isn't something that just affects the soldier and it doesn't just affect him during those months that he's gone, but it affects him and everyone who loves him or her and everyone that loves her for generations. Absolutely. So in the novel, An Enemy Like Me, uh, do we get a okay. chance to see how change come about, you know, the family? Yeah, we do. So I, I focus um, by looking at, at this from three viewpoints. We look at Jacob. We also look at Bonnie, his wife, who's left behind. And then we see the war from his four-year-old son's point of view. And then we get the opportunity then to see his four-year-old son as an adult man, um, well into retirement, who looks back on his life and does a lot of reflecting. So you get to see how things changed and how it affected, you know, for years, how those couple of years gone affected that family not not just during you know 1942 and 43, but but for years and years. Absolutely, wow! This sounds all interesting. How much research and how deep did you go into World War II? So yeah, I'm I love research. I call myself a research junkie, um, and my kids actually call me Google Mom. Everyone laughs because if we're having a conversation at home. Um, 
someone will ask a question and the conversation is going on and I'm the one that's got the phone out and I'm looking up the answer because it makes no sense to me why we ever wonder anything when we have, you know, the answers right in front of us. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of research and the war itself, this book, although it has a World War II backdrop and there are, there are definitely references to the war. It isn't really so much about the war as it's about the people and how they handle being in a wartime situation. Um, but I like my I like my history to be right. So this is a historical fiction, and I think that the historical part needs to be as accurate as possible. The fiction part is what my characters, who are made up and in my head, do. And I can do with them what I want as long as it fits into that historical context. So, um, like one of the things, um, in 1939, I have Jacob getting ready to go on a date. He is a nervous wreck. He he has fallen in love with this beautiful woman who is just way above his station in life. He knows that he has no chance with her, but, but he can't wait to go on this date with her. And I wanted him to be doing something really spiffy with his hair. And I thought, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Brill cream in his hair. And then I thought, well, I know that was really big in the '40s, but did it exist in '39? So I looked it up, and it and it did. It it was uh, invented in the late '20s, and it became popular in the early '30s. So I was able to put Brill cream in his hair. But that's one of those things, and I know it's a tiny detail, but it would really bother me to find out later that I had put Brill cream in his hair, and it hadn't been invented yet. So yeah. I work really hard, especially if I'm doing products or places. Um, there have been times where I've been writing and I wanted to put somebody in a particular setting to realize, oh, wait, that town didn't exist then. I can't put them there. You know, and I think it's important as a, an author to do the research and make sure that the historical part is accurate. Yeah, definitely. You have people who will also point that stuff out too. Yes, they will. They will. <laughs> I think a lot of I think a lot of historical fiction readers are as long as the story is good and the the facts aren't so crazy that it's like pulling you out of the story, they'll go with it. But there are always those few who are going to look through it. They're going to say, "You do realize there's no way that he could have been here and here because blah 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 blah." So yeah, I try to be as accurate as I can. But then I always point out that I can only be as accurate as the information that I can find. And history, although history doesn't change, a lot of times what we know about historical events changes as we find people's um, journals or um, someone you know, puts out a book that really explains a, a period of time better than we had before. So I always put the caveat that I do my best but I, I am not guaranteeing that absolutely everything that I said is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get uh, lost in the Google rabbit hole of research? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I go down, I go down the, the rabbit hole, and, and sometimes it's like, oh, I'd better come up for air. Yeah. I have to be real. Yeah, I have to be real careful because, you know, the point of research is is to help my story move forward. It's not to become an expert in a particular era, right? So I have to make sure sometimes I'll find that I'm going down a rabbit hole and I'll find something really interesting and I'll make a note of it and I will, uh, you know, maybe bookmark that particular website 
and then remind myself, what are you here for? Let's get back to that, and we can go down that rabbit hole another time when you don't have something pressing on your plate. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Before Google, uh, there was the world books for me. I would read those things oh, yeah. from A to Z, and you know we would oh. talk. We would talk with the friends, and I say, uh, and I just spit out a random fact. Like, yo, why do you know that? I, I don't know. I just read it. <laughs> I just know. Yeah, I loved. We had a set of encyclopedias at home, and oh yeah, that's what I would do. I mean, I would pull down M, and I would read all the M stuff until you know. I'd probably, yeah, I think you and I probably would have got along real well. We were both a little nerds. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I denied that word for so long growing up, but I fully accept it now. Yeah. Well, you know, growing up, it wasn't a fun word. I mean, you know, people kind of used it like a a bad word, but now, no, I'm good with it. I, you know, I, I was a nerd growing up. I'm a nerd today. Some of the things I enjoy doing are so nerdy, and that's fine. I, I, I accept it. I like who I am. So that's good. Absolutely. All right. We're coming to the end of the show. Um, you have a story for us? Yes, I do. So it's called the Watermelon Eating Contest. And I wrote this. I wrote it several years ago, and I started performing it out loud uh, at some of these open mic contests. So I'd like to do this for you. Hot. That's how I would describe it. Hot, sticky, sweaty, perfect weather for a watermelon eating contest. Ice cold watermelon still dripping with perspiration as the knife slices down to the table. Ah, the redness. So juicy, so cold, so good. The rules are easy. First one to finish the slice of watermelon wins with just one hitch. Hands behind your back. Simple. But only if you're willing to let that juice run everywhere, down your shirt, into your hair, even up your nose if you have to. I look closely at my competition. Mary Danner, school teacher. Her kids are cheering her on. Sweet smile, nice dress. She has a cheering section, but her desire won't be strong enough to let that dress get sticky, drawing flies for the rest of the afternoon. So I smile and say, pretty dress. She blushes, one down. Bubba Johnson, big and burly, mouth the size of California. He's got the drive, the desire, but not the finesse needed to eat that dainty slice of watermelon without dropping it in the dirt at his feet. So I give him a sideways glance, look down at the ground, shake my head, and grin. His shoulders sag just a bit, but enough that I know he knows. Two down. George Alberts, the barber, small, compact, and can move like lightning. No doubt he could win a race using his legs, but there is the issue of that gap. Missing tooth, lost it last week. Still waiting for the dentist to fix it up. Nope, not enough teeth up front to really dig in. How's the tooth, George? He grimaces, realizing that he still has some pain. Three down. Last but not least, Robert Mills. Bobby, born here, same as his daddy and his daddy before him. Been the watermelon-eating champ for the last 15 years when he finally took the title from his daddy. Who took it from his daddy? Who probably took it from his daddy? I think he must practice all year, at least all summer. All his teeth, finesse, no worries about his shirt or even dirt if need be. 
I look over at him. I have nothing to say, no looks to give. He just smiles. Four down. Second place won't be so bad. I mean, how can you lose eating watermelon on a hot day? Ah. <laughs> so, Terry, where can um, people grab a copy of the book? So, um, you can go to my website, which is www.terrymbrown.com, and that's Terry with one R. Or you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much any place that books are sold. It's an enemy like me, and I also have my um, debut novel, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, is still available. All right, all right. And is there a place where they can connect with you online? Yeah, definitely. Go to my website. Um, when you go to my website, you can sign up for my newsletter. You can reach out uh, via my contact page. I'd love to chat with people, so you know, feel free to... Uh, contact me. I also, you can click on the links for all my social media. I try to get on a lot of different social media, and, and I'm out there doing things most of the time. So I'd love to connect with anybody. All right, all right. Well, listeners, we thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we had a wonderful time talking with Terry M. Brown. Uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, speaking with you again. Wonderful. I have a, a third book that I just uh, finished writing the uh, first draft, so when it's getting close to time, I'll let you know. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Wonderful. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Mm -hmm. Thank you, my Vigilantes family, as always, for checking out my podcast over here at Vigilantes Radio Live. All episodes are available for free download, and you can grab it from either Spricker.com forward slash only one media group, Spotify, CastBox, iHeart's Radio, iTunes, YouTube, the app Podcast Addict, or over at our website, which again is onlyonemediagroup.com. And that goes for every single show that we've ever aired. If you like to request music or send something for me to play, email it to vradio at onlyonemediagroup.com. That is V as in Victor. And here's my disclaimer we are genre free, we do not judge, and we absolutely do not base our opinions on hearsay, but facts alone. And actually scratch all of that because all of my opinions are always right. That's the bottom line. This is my show, so deal with it. <laughs> Just kidding. On behalf of myself, Denny, I appreciate all you guys for tuning in, either afterwards or live with us. Spread the word because sharing is caring. We stepped up our game just for you guys and our guests to make sure that you have the best experience here on our show. Be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Snapchat, TikTok, and all social media sites, as well as Spreaker, YouTube, we always follow back. Okay, well, just remember to put yourself into everything that you do and never stop investing in yourself. Peace, love, grilled cheese, and talk with you later. You are now.
now listening to Vigilantes Radio, the people's choice for quality interviews, art, music, and hot topics. Hosted by Demetrius Houdini Black Reynolds of the duo No Longer the Hero. All episodes of this podcast are available for free download at www.onlyonemediagroup.com. This is a seventh sign regime, Rebirth Worldwide Syndicate exclusive.